Welcome to Single Moms Unfolded. I'm Kelly Vera, your host, and I'm super excited you took the time to spend with us today. This is a podcast by a single mom for single moms to help single moms, right? This is our safe space to grow, connect, and learn together. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hello, friends, and welcome to Single Moms Unfolded. Today, we're lucky enough to have Alicia Walker. Welcome. Thank you so much, Kelly. Um, I'm honored to be a part of your podcast and my happy place and looking forward to having this uh, conversation with you. So Single Moms Unfolded, let's do it. Awesome. So tell us, what is your definition of a single mom? What makes a single mom? So my model is about teaching women who are strong survivors, uh, who they could be single moms, they could be, uh, you know, women who were married, who who are now divorced or who've gone through some type of toxic relationship or trauma. And I call them warriors, right? Because they're strong, they're survivors. And so I think single moms are a part of that warrior that that's my model in terms of my program, uh, Warriors Thriving. And I just think they're just strong women who, no matter what, right, they're going to sacrifice and make things happen to take care of their children. So I was uh, a single mom, unfortunately, for a long time, and, and I had to learn to be strong on my own. So tell us a little bit about that. So when did you discover that you were going to be a single mom? So my divorce was way back in... April of 20, um, 2001, actually. So over 20 years ago, but prior to that, I started seeing the signs of, you know, that this marriage wasn't going to last. I, we, at the time we had one child, um, by the time we divorced in 2001, my son was about five or six. So I started noticing when he was like literally around two, and I started noticing that our relationship was changing in terms of the way in which, you know, I was being treated, started out verbal, right? Emotional abuse, just saying little things, right? It's that passive aggressive, aggressive or microaggressions where there's just little things being said and they just started to accumulate to a place where I was like, no, that's disrespectful, right? Mm. And then finally, it escalated into um, a verbal altercation, escalated into a physical altercation. And I knew right then and there that I just, I didn't sign up for anything like that. And I knew that if we didn't fix this, we were not going to last in the marriage. Right. Well, for sure. For sure. So there were little tiny signs and I was saying like, okay, this is a big red flag here. So what was your first reaction when you was like, okay, I'm going to do this on my own? Well, you know, honestly, I really wanted to salvage the marriage because, you know, we, we were, it was a Christian marriage, Mm -hmm. right? So we, there was a strong faith and belief in God and the vows that was taken. And I took it seriously. And I really wanted to get counseling to salvage the relationship, but it was going to take a lot of doing. But unfortunately, my then husband was not cooperative and did not want that. Right. So you're giving everything you had and he wasn't going to, yeah, 
Well, I'm sorry you went through that. that sucks. Right. And, you know, when you're going through this process, when you realize that the person that you love possibly doesn't love you anymore, that's already an emotional uh, stress, right? But then I started to worry because there was a financial gap, a huge financial gap. And at one point I wasn't even working, you know, we both, we met at a prominent engineering school. So we were both going towards careers in STEM. However, uh, once we got married, you know, I kind of fell back because I felt like for me, I wanted family. I wanted the marriage, the family more than I wanted anything else because I, I came from a broken home. Okay. So when I thought about it, I was like, I, I want to be the wife, right? I want to be the mom. I want to, you know, have my household, take care of my family. And when, when I realized that love wasn't being reciprocated, right? You can feel yeah. it. There's this little thing that started to happen and I started to question. And that's where everything kind of crumbled because, you know, once you start opening up Pandora's box, you open and you find... <laughs> unfortunately what you're looking for and also what you're not looking for <laughs> for sure yeah and, right and i found you know i was i was i found quite a bit and i just said i need to confront him and ask questions i'd rather do that but maybe it didn't come out right at the time because you know well you're emotional <laughs> you're yeah you're yeah yeah very emotional plus he wasn't responding so you know things came out maybe a little bit different and maybe instead of asking questions i you know i kind of spilled the beans like i know because i researched certain <laughs> things you know right, right. so yeah. now now i'm not asking questions i'm saying the things that i found and so that didn't go well well I think that's natural, right? Because something happens and we feel hurt or betrayed or whatever. And we go from, okay, I'm going to talk to them to like, no, I have to just get it all out and be like, what is going on? You can't, you can't yeah. be, oh, oh, so how about this? No, you can't do that. You're freaking out inside. You have to like move forward. I get that. So, yeah. so after the marriage broke up what was some of the biggest struggle you you had like financially now because now you're doing it all by yourself yeah financial was definitely a big one for me because um he made like easily three and a half four times as much as i did and we made agreements that unfortunately you know those agreements were not maintained or sustained i should say and because of that, it caused me to really, you know, go into this downward spiral financially because I was already emotionally, there was some physical, there was spiritual, like there was all of these abuses that I didn't even know about them until I started getting help from the resource center. And then I started to be able to articulate and define what I was dealing with, right? And at the time, I still loved him. Right. And I and, and like I said, you know, my my pastor was the one who was like really walking me through this process, but he just didn't want any parts of it. So for me, it was home um uh possibility of being homeless, right? So I ended up having to move back 
home with my mom. I, I was born and raised in Newark, and I had to end up going back and living with her for a little bit. And um, it just it took fifteen years to 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 get out of the funk, right. the what I call emotional purgatory, to be able to actually even start to address these things. Right. So once my son was old enough, like you know, at least eighteen. I was like, okay, I'm not going back and forth to court because that was one of the main plays that he did was taking me back and forth to court and knowing I couldn't afford it. Okay. Right? So playing games, yeah. Kind of. So that that was the struggle. Okay, so um, so you had a support system. You said you were able to get some help. Your mom was there for you to help you. You were able to move in with her, so that's good, right? You had, yeah. you know, and your son had his grandmother, and you know that support. So you said you were able to talk to somebody. Who did you talk to? Who did you reach out for support? I know a lot of single moms feel lost and they're like, nobody gets it. I I don't know what I'm doing. You know, how how did you get that support? Right. So I wanted to reach out more so spiritually so I could stay grounded because my family was not necessarily, you know, spiritually uh, grounded. Mm -hmm. Let's just put it like that. So their tactics right. was very different than what, you know, my pastor, who was a woman, well, was actually his aunt, <laughs> but she was neutral. She was very neutral and unbiased. And she really helped me walk through the process. And, and she was trying to get us back together. But I was like, it's not going to work because he's lying. I don't trust him. And he lied to her, unfortunately, and so she was really upset because she said, "If he lies to me, and I find out, I'm going to press charges on him in court." Like I, you know, she didn't do that, but that's how upset she was when she did find out that he was not quite telling the truth to her. Because I kept saying, "I know this man. Like I know when he's telling the truth and when he's not." And he's saying he's going to do something, but he reneges. And every time I try to trust him. Right. And even though something inside says, you know, maybe not. Right. I try to give the benefit of the doubt and trust. And he just always disappointed and reneged on agreement. So the, the support system I had was my mom to be able to go and live with her back in Newark. But it was like a one bedroom apartment. But luckily, the saving grace was that she worked at night and I worked in the day. So we were not home at the same time. The other support that I had was an organization, a domestic violence center called Safe and Sound in Somerset. And they they were really truly my saving grace because they helped me, you know, connect to resources. They helped me connect to um, legal assistance because unfortunately, like I didn't make enough to really afford legal help. That's why the program that I'm doing now, and we'll talk more about that in the next segment, is so important to give women, especially single moms, affordable legal resources, right? And so that was my biggest problem, getting the the legal support to help fight back. Because what would happen, he would make bogus claims about me in terms of whether I was a fit mom and, and again, more lies, right? And because I was, I didn't do anything. I didn't drink, I didn't smoke, I didn't do anything. And I had so many people, I was just talking about this just the other day, actually. We did a program called Living Books. And one of the subjects that came up was 
the, how the kids are impacted when you go through mm-hmm. a divorce. So they were talking their story. And, and I said, you know, at the end of the day, like all of this fighting and going back and forth, it's costing me a fortune that I did not mm-hmm. have. So the, the domestic violence center helped me again with legal support. And then they also helped me with housing. So I was able to get uh, a housing, temporary housing. So I didn't have to commute way from where I was back down to Newark, which was about easily a 45 minute to an hour drive, depending on traffic. And I was able to get housing in my local area, my county, uh, that set me up for uh, housing support. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So, but I worked, right? So I didn't get that much support because I worked. Like, you have to really be dirt poor to get the full support. But it was something, something right? right? And, and so the resource center really helped me out quite a bit. And, you know, even when I needed to stay somewhere, I stayed in their shelter, like, you know, the DV shelter for a little bit until they got me the housing. And I just had to go that route so that I could get access to these these resources that I needed so desperately because I didn't have enough to even pay for standard rent, right? I didn't make enough money at the time. So... One of the saving graces, too, was a friend of mine who introduced me to Mary Kay. And she, you know, she kept trying to introduce me. And I was like, no, 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 because I was like, I'm going through all of this right. stuff. But then finally I said, yes. And I'm so grateful, so thankful that she persisted because I finally said yes. And that's what turned my life around, really. And knowing that the Mary Kay Foundation supports domestic violence right they they give donations one million dollars every year from since i've been doing it over 20 years ago to domestic violence centers around the world in the u.s and they also do cancer research so two of the things that i cared about the most but the one that obviously impacted me the most but i hadn't said anything to anybody except the pastor um, for 15 years, I was kind of stuck in what, what I was calling the emotional purgatory. And I was just stuck in that mindset because I couldn't get out of it. And he just kept coming at me in court with these bogus claims. And I had to fight them um, up until the point where I was even fighting pro se, meaning I didn't even have legal representation. So I'm getting eaten alive, right? Because I'm not a lawyer. And, and I was like, no, nah, I can't do this. And then ultimately... You know, I started earning money through Mary Kay and really sharing my story with people. And that's how I was able to build a team and also, you know, sell the product because it was more about my story than anything in terms of why I was doing it. And people just really supported me and I was able to get legal resources um, because of that. So that's a long time to be going back and forth in court and everything. It's like you're out of the relationship, but you're still trapped in this madness with this person that's still you know haunting you with all this random stuff that's a good word correct yeah that's a good word kelly to describe it i was trapped and it was mentally though yeah because point, it gets right mental and emotional yeah we get it stuck in our head and we're still like attached we have that cord to this person and it's like still beating us down wow so what was the what was the point where you can say okay i'm free what this fuck so it, it was obviously a buildup, right? 
in over those 15 years, uh, I, I did focus on building me, right? So finishing up my education, I was able to complete my bachelor's uh, and then also my master's degree. And I was going to actually go for a PhD, but at that point, that's when things started to change a little bit. I was actually getting um, promotions and increases on my job. So that brought my income up a little bit, uh, and which was great because I needed right. it, right? Because again, I was still fighting him just even about child support and alimony because he reneged on the agreement that we made. So it, it, you know, without those other resources, I would not have been able to do the things that I ultimately was able to do, like buy my first mm -hmm. home. And I think that was back in 2006, I believe. I bought my first home because of the earnings that I made with Mary Kay. And be, I joined their ambassador program because I wanted to talk about it more or at least support, right? Now, I hadn't really told my story yet, like fully. I just kind of was on the surface with it because I was still in the shame the pain, the anger, the hurt stages of emotion. And I didn't know how to get past it. So 2016 was, it was a year of awakening for me. In January of 2016, I was like, okay, I have my master's now. Um, I, feel, I felt stuck at my current um, you know, place of employment. I worked for a college in higher education as an administrator in the student affairs division. And I've been at that point, I have been there, I guess, 17 mm -hmm. years almost. And I'm, like, I'm not really moving up, right? So I said, either I'm going to get the PhD or I'm going to just start my life somewhere brand new. Because again, by this time, my son was old enough. He had already decided to go stay with his dad. And I was like, so it's just you now it, and you can do what you want. It's just me. Right. And, and, you know, Kelly, I'm glad you said it like that. It was just me for a change. I didn't know what to yeah. do with myself because I didn't have anybody to take care of. And then now I have all this time to think about my life and like, I wasn't happy. And I was like, I, I was stuck for 15 years in that emotional purgatory. You know, my son decided he wanted to go live with him and I didn't stop him. I was like, you go do what you want to do. And... But all of a sudden, it was just me. And I didn't know what to do at that point until, again, I started making decisions. I said, okay, well, instead of going for the degree right now, let me maybe get a change of pace, a, a change of scenery, if you will, mm -hmm. right? So I started applying for jobs wherever they were. I applied. It didn't matter. I was like, I'm open to relocate. And that's where I was. And but that's not what I needed at all. So again, in January, uh, well, in 2015, I guess it was around October, November, I went to a conference that I go to every year. And I went to this conference. I met this wonderful lady. She was also an administrator in a different college, but she had a side gig going on where she was coaching, you know, administrators who, or professionals who wanted to either get their PhD or get higher level, like a dean's position or something like that. I said, well, that's me. That's what I want to do. And I need a coach because I've been here all this time. 
I had not had had to apply for a job for, you know, right. for 17 years, right? Because they just gave me promotions. So I hired her. And we were supposed to have 10 sessions. We were doing it like this, virtual. Again, this is January 2016. This was way before a pandemic. And in the third session, Kelly, I broke down. I just broke down in tears because that's not what I needed. I didn't need to go for right. PhD. I didn't need to go for a new career. I didn't know what I needed at the time, but I, I didn't need any of that at the time. And she said something to me because she was also Christian. So she said something to the to me that resonated to this day. And she said, if you're not doing the thing that God has called you to do, not only are you not helping and healing yourself, you're not helping and healing the people you meant to impact. That second part was the part that really stirred in my spirit, right? And I was like, if if I do anything, it would probably be for other people because I was not yet ready to fully share my story. And the reason why is because I wasn't here yeah, yeah. yet. I didn't know that at the time, but that is why I broke down. And I found out later in, uh, in, in August 4th, on August 4th, 2016 is when I had the next spiritual awakening. And this is when God literally stopped me in my tracks my spirit was truly arrested. I could move and I was just there, but I could mm. feel the presence, right? God, remember it's August, so it was hot, but I feel a coolness and a calmness in the room. And I knew, I knew it was God. Like God paid me a visit, stopped me in my tracks. And the reason why he's doing this is because he's been calling me, right? He's been trying to get me to open up and share. And I was like debating with God, like, no way. Why? Like, I will give my money. I will give my time. I will do education and awareness. I will talk to people if they come to me and I see the need, but no way will I share all of this because I was mm -hmm. ashamed, right? I was like, I'm a pretty smart woman. How did I get into a situation like that? And then it lingered all that time. I was really ashamed of that. And I was angry. <laughs> And I was, you know, I went through all of the emotions, but God stopped me right then and there because he was really calling me to a higher place. And I do like this all the time. I show like, like a carousel motion, right? You know, mm -hmm. carousel that the on. So these women, the faces battered, bruised, and broken, going around my head. Oh, wow. I could... I could reach out into the room, realm and grab them. Like it was wow. just that real. I could almost hear them calling out for help. I could see that they was from different ages, countries, nationalities, cultures, whatever. I can right. see, right? Because I see all the faces and they were not the same. It just kept going, kept going, kept going. And now I'm like mm. in tears. I still can't move. My spirit is totally arrested. Like God just had me stand in that moment, in that time and space. I couldn't move and I had to watch. He made me watch because he said, I'm calling you to a higher place. And the tears are streaming. And I knew I, I just had to say yes, because I didn't know what else to say. But stop it. I wanted it to stop. It was painful. Yeah to watch plus it reminded me your, right? yeah, your wounds it was yeah you open 
total, total tears, right? And when I said yes, it stopped. Mm. And then God said to me, I'm going to make you a leader of an army of empowered women from around the world. I'm in total confusion because I'm like, I don't know what that means. I know I wasn't joining the army or, you know, any of the armed services. So I'm like, I don't get it. I don't get it. So, but I said, okay, I said, yes. I said, but what can I do? And I'm asking, you know, having this conversation, what can I do? How can I use what I have to do something? And that's when I came up with my A More Beautiful You campaign. And it really was about adopting right? Quote unquote, the, the two, uh, well, first the one safe and sound in Somerset that helped me 20 years ago. Well, at that point, like 15 years ago, because this was 2016. And, and I said, I want to do something for them. I just didn't know what, right. Until now, until now I can do an awareness. I can do an education. And I married what I had with my Mary Kay foundation work because at the time they were doing you know compacts that we use marrow compacts so it had a text to help information in those marrow compacts so I was able to package it up into like you know safety kit or something like that and it had other stuff in there for them but I was able to give that to the women in the shelters right and this this started my journey to um you know, it was called the Adopt a Survivor Fundraiser. I raised over wow. 10 grand doing awesome. Yeah. Oh my God. It was so amazing. And, and and then and you know, the awareness and education. I gave out so many of those compacts, right? Because again, when I would do my Mary Kay work, I would tell them what I'm working on. And I my specialty was working with brides. Like I just because you know, that was right, my right. happy place. Work working with brides because I always just wanted that bliss, right? And at one point I had it and then I didn't. So my goal was to get back and work with the brides. So I would share this with them and like the bridal party would or the bride or the, the mom for one, they would shoot they would buy for all the women in the bridal party. So I got a lot of these things sold and every time they bought one I would give one to you know one for oh, my campaign. So when they bought one, it's like they was buying two. So one for them and one for the women in the shelters. Everybody supported this, Kelly. It was amazing. And so at that point, again, that was August 4th. And you know, between August and December, I was on this emotional roller coaster because now I made a commitment to do something, which I did, but then to share because people were like, well, why are you doing this? I had to right. start sharing. And I knew it was going to be emotional roller coaster. But one of my students came to me and said, you, I, 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 I love what you're doing. I understand, you, you know, you're very brave and courageous to share your truth. And there's a program that I would love to introduce you to. I was like, I don't have any programs, <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, you know, but he, again, I thank God for his consistency right. and persistence because I finally said yes, when they had the final family and friends night and that changed that program is called Landmark International, changed my life, Kelly. 
I'm so glad I said yes. And that's when I changed my whole mantra to be more in the season of yes and stop saying no to things that I don't even give it a chance to find out if it can help me. Because the very things that I said no to and when I ultimately said yes are the things that literally changed wow. my life. So in this program, Landmark, is when I learned about my blind spot, right? The things we don't know that mm -hmm. we don't know. That's what that's, that's, what that's okay. kind of defined as. And, and I didn't know what I didn't know until I got around these people. Most of them was much older than me. And I was in groups with people with all this wisdom and they were, we were able to, you know, do the assignments, but talk about, you know, different experiences. But the one thing that changed my life is when we did this one assignment, where we had to make amends with, you know, whoever we needed to make amends with. And at the time it was just my ex, my ex-husband. And I said, well, I don't know if y'all could solve this, I'm sold for life because like we just couldn't get along. We couldn't communicate. And every time we did it was an argument. So we just never talked. And then we, he just kept me in court. That's how he, he was talking to me. And honestly, I started to think he only did that so he could see me. Could be true, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Why else right? do you do it? I, I, He'll at you. He give you the energy. I, listen, I didn't know because I was like, this is ridiculous, right? Because this, our son was like, he was just getting of age. And then the final straw was again in that 2016, that moment of that spiritual awakening. I said, yeah. enough is enough. I'm not going back to court. I'm not getting hiring any more lawyers. I said, we're paying all this money to these lawyers to send their kids to school. And our son needs yeah, to go to college, yeah. right? You know, priorities, right? And it's somebody has to wake up and get smart here. And I was like, I'm not doing it. This is too much because, I mean, he dragged me in and out, in and out, in and out of court. And it was ridiculous. But in the landmark program, they asked us to do a homework assignment. It's like a whole weekend. And it was mm -hmm. intense. It was because this is about restoration and, and relationships and communication and professional development, personal development. So when they told me to do this assignment, I said, okay, I'll try. I don't know. And when I got home, I could not do it. Really? Couldn't do the assignment. Yeah. I, I didn't know where to start, Kelly. So we were to write a letter to make amends. And I, I just didn't even know where to start. So what happened though, the next day, it was, it was a woman. She was amazing. I forget her name, but she was amazing. And she, you know, it was a class of like over 200 something people. So she asked everyone to be accountable. She said, who did the homework? So the people who did it raised their hand. And then she said, who didn't do the homework? And I was like, whatever. I right. didn't do the homework. You know, because so you don't like to right, be embarrassed to say you didn't Call do it. Call it out. I didn't do it. <laughs> but she asked me to be accountable. I raised my hand. And then she said something that stuck with me forever. You all invested your time, your money, and your hope, right? For whatever the desire you came here to solve, because, you know, we had to tell them up front what, what we were wanting to restore. And she's like, if you don't do the work, it's not going to get done. And I felt mm -hmm. that, like I felt it, because I was really wanting to get a desired outcome. And that was restoration and peace with right. him. And the next day, went back. She asked, she, you know, well, that night when I went back home, 
I, I still, I, I tried to do the homework. I tried to write the letter to him, but I still couldn't do it. But I was like, I am not going to be defeated. I'm going to, I'm going to write something. I just, once I felt like I kind of had that determination, I was able to write something even more powerful. And it was a letter to God. And it really was <laughs> my letter to him, basically asking for forgiveness, right? Because I kind of pulled back from God too. Like, especially when my pastor died, I just withdrew because I didn't have anybody else who was my saving grace, as I called her, Pastor Pat. I didn't have anybody else to do that mm-hmm. for me. And I couldn't really talk to my family because they just wanted war, like battle, like real right. war. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that because he is still the father of my right, child. Right. right. And I told you at the time I still loved him. But anyway, I wrote this this letter and it was, you know, I'm very creative. So my my mojo was starting to come back with my creative juices. So I wrote it like as if it was a conversation with God, like I'm calling awesome. him. So the next day. She called me up because I was like raising my hand. Like I, I, I did something. I wrote something I wanted to share. I was so proud of what I was able to accomplish. And I got up there. I, I kind of acted it out. And I was like, <laughs> that's great. Like, and, you know, you know, back in the day when you can like, the real phone. Um, when they had the tape recorders and you can kind of screen the calls, like when right, they leave right. a message cool. back in the day. So I was acting like God was screening my call. So I just started leaving a message, right? But then you could pick up when right. in the midst of the like the message, right? So I was like, God picked up and he started talking. I was like, Father, Father, is that you? Like, you know, and, and he was like, listen. And, you know, like in a strong voice, I was changing my voice tonality and everything. So when it was God talking, first it was me, this broken state, just babbling. And then it was God talking, saying, like, giving me that reassurance, right? Reconnection back to him, plugging me back in. That's where I got the whole idea of power up because he plugged me back into him. He's the source, right? And so when I spoke the next time, it was like I stood up, I was speaking with conviction and I was just like confident and speaking. And, and then at the end, God says, welcome home, my child, right? People oh, were in sure. He was like, you wrote that last night? And I was like, I did. But it was like a, a repentance letter in the beginning, right? Because I'm right. on and on about forgiveness, right? And then he restored me. And now I have my power again. And he welcomed me back to his loving arms and standing ovation. People just in tears. And that was the beginning because I was able to do that much. And then another sign was, stop you okay, for a now second? you can go and. I wanted yeah, to yeah. point that out. You said you got your power back, right? So many single moms feel powerless. Like it's not possible, but I just want to like highlight that. She got her power back and she was able to stand and be proud and, you know, heal. And that's a big, yeah. big deal. That was the opening for healing. Yes. And and not knowing that I lost that power, right? Yeah. Not realizing that I lost it, I gave it away, or it was still in me. I just didn't activate it. So the the plugging in part, the restoration is like when you put a light, um, the like plug in a lamp, right? 
and you plug it in, it's going to come on because it's connecting to the mm-hmm. power. So that's how I felt when I was connecting back with God and that power was restored back to me. Right. So that was the opening. The second part was now they said, now go invite him to a family friends night. So you can. Wow. A per- <laughs> like a verbal that's awkward. forgiveness. Wow. I was like, whoa, but I was doing enough work on me that I I felt confident. I said, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm not going to say no. I'm going to do it. And it took some doing, but guess what, Kelly? He came. Maybe he wanted that too. He came. He wanted to end too, maybe. Well, I don't know, but he was reluctant at first. And one thing I heard over this weekend, I was at a conference with Lisa Nichols and she did an exercise where the woman, husband left her, was cheating, all this stuff. And she was so angry, couldn't get past Mm -hmm. the anger emotion until finally she got to, you know, she walked her through a process to get to love and appreciation, acceptance and, and agreement, right? But one of the things I liked about that assignment, she said, you want to be able to say what you have to say, but keep the other person's dignity mm. intact. I didn't know that then. This this is what I learned this weekend. But I knew enough to know that I wasn't, he was afraid because he didn't know what I was <laughs> going to say. Of course, right? Yeah. But he's been putting you through right? all this for but 10 I didn't years. He should be scared. <laughs> right. But I didn't make it about him because it was about me and the revelation that I had, my blind spots being open, my awakening. And it was more about me asking for forgiveness and also Mm. giving it, right? And that's what I did publicly in front of over 200 something people. And I was, that, that was the start of, now still everything didn't pan out yet, but it took another couple of years or so. So that was 2017. And then in... 2021 so it took four years yeah wow it took four years for me to finally close all those court cases because we we had a lot of stuff that was still open even though we were divorced it was some stuff still pending that we needed to settle and we just hadn't settled and some of it was financial so we finally but because i did the work on me i stopped blaming i i was taking responsibility and being accountable for my own actions right? The things I did or didn't do, the things I said or didn't say, that was for me. It wasn't in the buck anymore. And it wasn't blaming him, but I was doing exactly what the coach said this weekend, keeping his dignity intact. I didn't want to bring him there to embarrass him. I really truly wanted to restore the relationship so we at least can communicate, right? Because I know we still had to close the court business. So it just, it took a while but I was able to do it. And that's because I did the work on me. So ladies, if I can tell you anything, stop holding the mm. grudge. You got to get to the space where you can let things go, let the emotional attachments go. Cause that was the only way I was able to heal, start healing myself is letting go of the attachment I had about what he did to me. Right. And then being more accountable for what I did or didn't do or what I said or didn't say, right? Because I contributed to some of that as well. And that was the world of difference when I went through that forgiveness process. Wow. Once I did that, 
I was able to let go. Like I was so un. You felt so light, right? Kelly, you felt so much better. Kelly, I felt so light so unburdened by that stuff like even now I don't it doesn't bother me but you know how sometimes people could go back in the past memory yeah. and it triggers them I don't have that anymore because I was able to detach and that's what I teach the women in my program that I have how to do that process and it really was a process called Ho'oponopono which is a Hawaiian practice for forgiveness I just didn't know it was called oh, that wow. at the time oh wow that's <laughs> yeah. so cool huh. So, Alicia, if you could give one bit of advice to single moms, what would you tell them? Well, I would say get a support network or a group like like you're here in a happy place. Like, you know, this is a good start. Be in a tribe, right, of other women who are like you, you know, who have gone through what you've gone through or going through what you're going through and who could support you who could edify you who could validate you who could lift you up right i would also say if you are spiritually grounded connect to a spiritual mentor as well because that helped me i'm not pushing my religion on anyone but i could tell you when there's a higher power other than yourself in the mix of any of this trauma any of these experiences you can mm -hmm. get through them because the miracle for me, people didn't know. They was like, how did you get through all that? Like once they really started hearing it, the stories, like, I, and I didn't share so much here. Because again, pe keeping people's dignity intact, yeah. you know, things happen, right? And people was like, how did you get through it? I said, it wasn't nothing but the grace of God. Because I really right. don't know. There was so many times where I was faced with food insecurity, housing insecurity. And God just made a way in some of that stuff I didn't even have to pay for. Like when I got connected to the resource center, I didn't have to pay for the housing because right. I didn't have it, right? It says, I'm so blessed. I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. So if I can give you one advice, um, it's, I've already said two. Be grateful mm -hmm. for where you are, for the awareness. And if you are already out of a situation, be grateful and thankful every day that you're out. And again, what did you learn from that? How can you look look at you, right? Look in the mirror and look at yourself and do a reflection. Stop thinking about what this person did or didn't do. What can you do better now? If you are able to go into a new relationship, what could you do differently to make that relationship whole? But more importantly, if you haven't already done so, make sure you go through a healing journey because in order to be whole right you need to release mm -hmm. anything that's not of god anything that is going to keep you stuck anything that's going to keep your mind emotionally attached in a negative way you need to release those things so and and it takes work right so you have a good coach here kelly can help you with some of those things or you can do a spiritual mentor, right? Because sometimes we need a little bit more help, um, spiritual. And sometimes you might need counseling, like true counseling. There's nothing mm -hmm. wrong with that to get a mental checkup. So that's what I would say. Um, definitely get some help so you can move on with your journey and do some great things in your life. And for Absolutely, for right? We're a mirror for our kids. So we need to show them if we're a mess, they're going to be a mess. So 
Oh my God, that was such a wonderful story. Thank you so much for sharing your heart with us and for, you know, I totally believe in a higher power. We all need that higher power. We need to have faith because we're not doing all this by ourselves. We are not doing it all by ourselves. Thank God for that. Because you cannot do it by yourself. But thank you so much for your (laughs) energy and your time today. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much, Kelly. It was an honor and a pleasure to be on your podcast. And certainly, good night, (laughs) ladies, talking to you. Uh, I love you, Alicia. Uh, As you can see, the next segment, we'll be talking about how you can be empowered. So So stay tuned. so much for tuning in we would love to stay connected check us out at www.myhappyplaceforlife.com and while you're there click on the services tab to check out our awesome coaching options it's our mission to give single moms a shortcut to the life they want after divorce you aren't alone and you do not have to take the long road we can totally help also don't forget to follow us on instagram my happy place for life that is with the number four And if you want some free trainings, feel free to join our Facebook group, Happy Life 101 for Single Parents. Thank you so much for tuning in and check back every Thursday for a new episode. Until then, remember you're smart, you're beautiful, and you got this.